0: So when I was in seminary, I studied leadership. And one of the first things everybody talks about when they talk about leadership is vision. Like every organization, every social movement, has a dream, has a vision. Some, pe- some people talk about that like the thing that draws people forward. Some people talk about that like the vision is like the thing that invents the future for that organization or that social movement. So in considering like visions for some famous uh, Fortune 500 companies you probably know of, uh, these are some of the vision statements that you can decide whether or not they're like living into this or not. OK, so Amazon, this is what they would say to be Earth's most customer-centric company, to build a place where people can come to find and discover anything they might want to buy online. Not bad. Okay, Harley-Davidson. They say their vision is to fulfill dreams through the experiences of motorcycling. (laughs) (laughs) Not my dream, but apparently it's Doug's. Starbucks, a little closer to home, to share great coffee with our friends and help make the world a little better. Mm-hmm. Tim, Tim wonders. Hilton, to fill the earth with the light and warmth of hospitality. JCPenney, to be America's shopping destination for discovering great styles at compelling prices if they don't go bankrupt. <laughs> Actually, my, I do have to give a plug for JCPenney's. My sister in Philadelphia bought me these pants, and she might be online right now. Hi, Debbie. Um, and she bought them at JCPenney's for a great price, so thank you, Debbie. <laughs> okay, craft food. Craft food to make today delicious. I think my kids agree, right? Mac and cheese. <laughs> Toys are Us to put joy in kids' hearts and a smile on parents' faces. So our passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is kind of like a window into God's vision. It's kind of like a picture of God's dream for the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we read this passage of scripture, we can kind of ask ourselves, like, how well are we, the people of God, living into... God's vision, God's dream. How well are we living out his vision statement? This passage of scripture um, for today from the lecture actually comes from the book of Isaiah, so it was written long before Christ was born. Um, It's a prophecy, and you'll notice as I read it that There are several phrases in this passage that are almost like you could call them like the best hits from the book of Isaiah, some phrases that if you have been around church at all throughout your life, you might recognize some of these phrases. But listen to Isaiah as he predicts the coming of Christ, the birth of Christ, and articulates God's vision, God's dream for the sort of kingdom that Christ will establish. This is what Isaiah says, A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. That is Christ. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. So, this passage is like painting a vision of God's dream, it's, it's painting a vision for God's kingdom, and it's doing it really in like three ways. Through a stump, a great reversal, and a picture of a person. So that's kind of our map for this passage for this morning. So first of all, a stump. The passage begins with a stump. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Now the stump that Isaiah is talking about here, the stump is the nation of Israel, and the shoot is Jesus, is the Messiah, the coming birth of the Christ child, so Isaiah is saying, God is going to bring love and light from a place that looks like death and desolation. So Tim got me this stump. I guess it's a birch tree. It's actually kind of amazing because, look it, it's rotten in the middle. And this came from a birch tree in Wisconsin, actually, which... Tim hauled back to Colorado, (laughs) which is so Tim. Um, But the thing about a stump, okay, we're talking about a stump. Isaiah is talking about a stump. Here's the thing about a stump. A tree used to be there, like a mighty tree used to be there. In fact, in Tim's mom's front yard, there was a maple tree. This is very fascinating how sometimes God gives us these like images in nature. But in his parents' front yard, they planted this maple tree. And it grew to this mighty, amazing, huge tree. And then it got rotten, just like this one, in the middle, and they had to cut it down. And there was a stump remaining, a dead, desolate stump where a tree used to be. What's so interesting, though, is that over time, that stump, that dead stump that looked kind of like this, a little shoot started to grow up from it. And today, if you go to Nana's house, and you sit on her front porch, and you look at that spot, there's like the dead stump of the tree, but there's a new tree. There is new life. That little shoot actually grew into a full-grown, healthy tree. Isaiah is saying a shoot will come forth from an old, dead stump. And here is the first thing that we see. It's almost like Isaiah is like poetically saying like God loves to play on old dead stumps. Like God does his best work right there. Places of barrenness and dryness. Places where there used to be life and now it seems like it's just all gone. Like it's all evaporated. That is where the spirit of God loves to play. It's this beautifully... This passage is like this beautifully hopeful vision for our lives today because we all go through seasons. There are all for all of us times where we look at places in our lives, places in the world where we go like there there's nothing but death and desolation there. Like there's no hope for that. It looks dead. All good things have evaporated and it is easy in that moment to look at the stump and to give up all hope. Nothing good can come from that. But God would have us know that the things are not as they appear and that those very places are not beyond hope. That God does some of his very best work right there. So Isaiah is speaking these, these words of hope. And I think also to fully appreciate, in a way, the radical and super ridiculous-sounding, how ridiculous-sounding his words really are and would have been to um, at the time that he wrote them, we kind of also have to immerse ourselves in the historical moment that he's writing. So just try to take yourself back for a moment. It's 740 BC. The birth of Christ has not happened yet. And Isaiah, the prophet who wrote these words, he is living in the declining years of a great empire, I mean, that's the world, that's the situation. So if you uh, study, I remember in seminary we studied um, you know, the decline of great empires. That's a fascinating study. And there are often some similar trends in the declining years of great empires. So Israel had once been something of a light to the surrounding nations. They had been a nation that truly cared for one another, They took seriously the Lord's commands that there shall be no poor among you. And so for a long time, people had a common purpose in their identity as citizens of Israel and the people of God. And so this meant that, you know, that the able-bodied people, they worked. And those who were weak and vulnerable, they were not afraid, they were cared for, they were provided for. They saw one another as belonging to each other. But then over time, what happened in Israel is that that began to change, and a wide chasm began to grow between people who who used to see themselves as belonging to the same family. And this chasm between really the haves and the have-nots grew, people ceased to follow God's way. They stopped caring for each other. They stopped caring for the poor. And as that chasm widened, the rich got richer. The poor became increasingly hopeless, desperate, sometimes violent. And gradually, over time, resentments grew up between various segments of Israeli society. I mean, in time, it got to the point where they no longer, even their religion, No longer held the people together. So, Israel's rich heritage, this rich heritage that they had shared in faith, it became diluted. All sorts of different belief systems popped up. People started to prefer, like, their own personal spirituality. They didn't want any allegiance to one God anymore. They didn't want any allegiance or, you know, to to one community of faith. People became self protective, people became self advancing. They got alienated from one another. There was a fragmentation in the society and a movement away from the God who had given them life. And instead of seeing themselves, as they had before, as a beloved community ruled by the law of God, they sort of like, done with that. We've got a new rule for ourselves. It's like, to each his own. Everyone out for themselves. So it is into that declining empire, it is into that historic situation that Isaiah Isaiah the prophet writes these words. He is in this historical moment of a declining empire, and he walks through, most scholars say, Jerusalem, and he can see with amazing clarity a couple things. And he says, the Lord has told me these things. He says, first of all, this great nation is going to fall. That was like his fir- one of his first predictions, one of his pro- part of his prophecy. This great nation, it's going to fall. This great empire is not always going to be. And then the second thing was, a new leader will rise. Isaiah says, Israel is going to be cut down to like nothing but a stump as a nation, But then a shoot will rise up from that dead stump. And so the shoot that he is talking about is the coming Messiah, the birth of Christ. And sure enough, true to Isaiah's word, in 722 BC, the Assyrian army came and they overthrew the northern kingdom Of Israel. They plundered their wealth. They sold the citizens into slavery. So the great nation of Israel fell, just as Isaiah predicted. And then sure enough, true to Isaiah's word, 800 years later, we should not miss that, (laughs) waiting, 800 years later, a child is born in Bethlehem. Can anything good come from Bethlehem? That old stump? The Messiah has come just as Isaiah predicted, a shoot from the old dead stump, because it seems like God loves to do his best work in places of death and desolation, and that's the first thing we see. So the second thing we see in this passage is this great reversal. Um, Do you know what this is? Uno, yes. When I play Uno with my kids, this is the card that totally changes the game, right? Because the game is going along in a certain direction. And then somebody plays this card, and it reverses directions. It changes course. In this passage, Isaiah is talking about the effects of God's kingdom being like a great reversal. Like the world is going along in a certain way, and then Jesus and then God's kingdom, and it is a great reversal. It is not that, like, a person is walking along in their life, and they meet Christ, and they incorporate Jesus in their life, and they just keep on walking. He's talking about how, like, a person is walking in life, and they meet the Messiah. They submit themselves to the values and the ethics of his kingdom. They don't keep they actually change course, they repent, they turn. There's a great reversal. So Isaiah starts talking about like what this looks like. We see this this passage of scripture is like beautifully poetic in the way it describes this great reversal. It was true then, it's true now. Because the reason it's true always is because the reality of God's kingdom. Operates differently than the reality of the kingdoms of this world that so often influence our lives. So, Isaiah says this stuff like this. He's like, The wolf will live with the lamb, a little child will lead them, the young child will put its hands in the vipers, in the snake's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. It's like the world is going along in a certain direction. One that very often revolves around power and hierarchies and violence. And then God comes in the person of Jesus with this great reverse card. He enters the game. And people who are changed in Jesus come to have a new ruler, a new king, a new kingdom that is not of this world they're now living in the kingdom of love, which is the kingdom of God. And things look differently from here. And I think so often, like, when it comes to Christmas, so often we just, even in church, we, we just miss the point entirely. Because Christmas is not a sentimental story about waiting for baby Jesus. It's an annual reminder that God was willing to empty himself of power. That God was willing to become empty of all power. That God became empty of power, he embodied a poor, marginalized human. I mean, that whole move, it just turns the the dominant ideas about power totally upside down. It just, it, it shows God's crazy love for all people His his particular preference, perhaps you could say, for the poor, for the marginalized, it reminds us, like, God is very often found in the places we least expect. And so this passage is just painting this beautiful, I mean, really almost ridiculous vision. A lion lying down with a lamb, a child playing with a snake, like, it sounds absurd, really. It's... It's extravagant. It doesn't make sense, right? We just sang that. It's it's poetry. This passage is poetry for the great reversal. It's the vision of a world that is in absolute harmony, not just people with people, but like with the entire cosmos. It is a world at total peace, in absolute shalom, Isaiah is saying, like, the one who is to come will be reversing the normal order of things. And if he rules you and you live in his kingdom, you will be reversing the normal order of things. Isaiah is saying, he will not judge, I love this line in this passage, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. In other words, Isaiah is saying the Messiah will not look at the things humans look at. God is not influenced by all the uniforms that we wear. He is not uh, influenced, impressed, or ruled by your uniform of power or your uniform of poverty or piety or whatever posture or performance or proving you put out. God doesn't look at that. Like He looks through all that. He sees straight through all of that to see that every human everywhere has a shared longing for belonging that is met in the family of God. That is met in the eternal family of God. So we can ask ourselves when we consider like God's vision, God's dream, how are we doing? How are we doing at living into this? Because God is one who is not deterred by, ruled by, influenced by those labels we so often get in the way of our connecting with one another. Oh, she's rich. Oh, he's poor. Oh, he's smart. Oh, she's dumb. All these things. God doesn't look at that. God looks and sees the shared humanity of people, the shared longing for belonging that is met in him. So that's the second thing. The third thing we see in this passage is a picture of a person. So we see in Isaiah's prophecy a picture of Christ. And here's the thing. If you want to know what God looks like, look at the person of Jesus. That little guide is helpful to me. Because right now I think, you know, it can, it can get confusing to look into, out into the world and see so, such an array of people with different actions and choices and values all saying my inspiration comes from God but a guide for each of us in a Christian worldview is to say if you want to know what God looks like look at Jesus that's a that's a, a a Christian worldview when we when we get the picture of Jesus right then we can get the picture of the kingdom right because that's what he spoke about more than anything else that's what he came to establish I was reading this funny little story about, it was like a, a dad on a Sunday morning, and he woke up early, it was like 5 a.m., and he goes down to the kitchen, he starts brewing his coffee, and he's brewing his coffee, and he's reading his newspaper, and like three lines into reading the article, his five-year-old daughter comes down the stairs, and he's like, honey, go back to bed, it's five in the morning, some of you have been here, right? And she's like, but I'm not tired. And he's like, oh, honey, it's 5 in the morning. Like, go back to bed, you know? And she's like, but I'm not tired. And so he's like, oof, 5 in the morning, all right, and really wants to read his coffee, really wants to, uh, I mean, drink his coffee, read his paper. And um, he, so he, set, he comes up with this idea. He looks down at his paper, and he sees this picture of the world. And he gets his scissors, and he cuts it all up. And he hands the pieces to his daughter with a thing of scotch tape. And he's like, okay, honey, take this and try to put the world back together. Here's some tape, go into the dining room, and she's like very eager, she takes on the challenge, she goes, he goes back in the kitchen, starts drinking his coffee, starts reading his paper, but just a few sips in, she comes back and eagerly is like, Daddy, look, I put it back together. And he's like, honey, how in the world did you do that so fast? And she said to him, Well, it was easy, because on the back side of that picture was a picture of a man. And when you make the man right, you make the world right. When you make the man right, you make the world right. I love that picture, because our world is really chaotic, and only Jesus can bring order to this chaotic world. And when you make the man right, you make the world right. Like, if we get the Christ man right, if we follow his vision for a kingdom of love, then we get the world right. Because if you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Look, look at his prophecies, which we just did this morning. Look at the way he came, empty of power. Look at the way he lived. Look at the way he died. Look at the way he rose. Look at the way he lives within. If we get the picture of the man right, you, you make the world right because the thing about Advent this season is there's another Advent coming. A day when Christ comes again, and like Isaiah said, the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So it's like in this season, we expect that day. We ready ourselves for that day. It's the big vision of that day that pulls us forward in the little choices and in the daily pains. That's the grand vision of God. It's our hope. It's this hope of a world made right in justice where everyone everywhere lives in harmony again, It's a day when on earth, as it is in heaven, is fully and completely true. It's the garden of Eden restored. It's sometimes, like we say in prayers of old, as it was in the beginning, and now shall ever be, world without end. Amen. That is what we look forward to. Let's pray together as we close. Well, God, would you be our vision? Would you help us live into the dream you have for a world that is ruled by you? Ruled in love. Thank you, God, for all the ways that your first coming reminds us of your upside-down kingdom values. And help us to live lives that reflect those as we eagerly await your second coming. And God, would you help us? May we not approach Christmas as a sentimental story about a baby Jesus. But may this season be a radical reminder to us, God, of how you emptied yourself of power so that love and vulnerability might lead the way. And may this reality melt us to live that same way. May your presence strengthen us, God, and give us a bright hope for tomorrow, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.